It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, brought to you by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Zach Blackerby here with you, joined by Michael Pappas. Hello, sir. Hey. We're in the studio I don't like again. It's almost like we just listened to the whole, uh, what do you call it, fight song. That is what you call it, yes. All right, so there was a story going around yesterday, and different aggregates have picked it up, but uh, former uh, former NFL GM comes out. It's Michael Lombardi. He did it on his podcast, which he used to do for The Ringer. I don't know what, what the GM shuffle is, but he used to do GM Street on The Ringer, and I actually listened to that show a lot, but uh, I guess he has moved away from that. But he, he, here's what he said. My man, Gus Bust, that's the worst offense I've ever seen. He had no idea how to throw a football, zero, zero. All he does is scream at the players. He has no idea how to throw the football. He has no passing game. He may have the best team in the country. He could go play Ohio State and match because that defense is legit. That defense played a doubleheader on Saturday in the Bayou, and they played hard all the way to the bitter end, and yet they had no off, They had no help from their offense. He'll blame it on a rookie quarterback. No, he's got a bad, bad offensive scheme. It's horrible, and he was kind of part of the group they came out early last year and said, and he was Lombardi wasn't alone in this, but talking about how Jarrett Stidham was screwed because of the Auburn passing scheme and how he's going to be a better pro and and all that. So, I mean, this is kind of how Lombardi has made his name stay relevant is kind of having mm-hmm. these hot takes and kind of coasting on the fact that he used to be a a, a GM, but it's um I don't know it, it's it's kind of an interesting take for me. Uh, it's it's hard to to disagree with him, really. I mean, all all season, and really the whole time Gus Malzahn has been at Auburn, we've seen that he, I mean, his quarterbacks struggled to throw the ball. I mean, and he struggles to put together um, a passing attack that is more than just a deep post route and, and go routes. That was one of the reasons they brought in Chip Lindsey to help incorporate that quick passing game. The um, the comment all he does is scream at the players. I'm not a uh, yeah, that doesn't seem true. But I'm not crazy about that, and you know I, I'm sure he just watches Auburn in the big games. I'm sure he uh, so I'm I'm sure the games that he has seen Auburn play this year was Auburn, Florida, and Auburn LSU, which mm-hmm. are not two good examples of what Gus Malzahn does offensively. But I think he'll tell you that his strength is running the football and. His passing game stems from play action. And whenever they ran a play fake, any kind of play action fake on Saturday, I mean, there was no threat of it being a run at all, in my opinion. So there wasn't threat of it being a pass either because the, I mean, the, the, the defenders were in Bo's lap at the end of the play fake. Right. So, I mean, just why why worry about the run at that point? I mean, mm-hmm. Auburn had two runs last year or last week that was relevant. And those were two very important runs. And those runs, coupled with the uh, the muffed punt, kept them in the football game. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, they, they really didn't have any running game whatsoever. The quarterback run 
was out. I mean, it, it was just a, a very interesting, very simple game plan. And I love the way that they opened it up with that quick throw to Eli Stove. And then you didn't really see any more of it. So it's very odd to me. Very odd. And that'll continue to be a, a talking point throughout this week and probably the rest of the season. But we've got some voicemails to hit up. Really fast before we sure. get there. Do you think Auburn's just going to come out and beat the tar out of Ole Miss and then everyone on Sunday and next week is going to be like, just what is going on? No, I, I think Auburn will beat the tar out of Ole Miss and everyone will say, well, yeah, they could beat the bad teams. That's what I think the narrative will be. Okay. I like Which at this point, it's like, well, the offense is good against bad defenses, but then if they get punched in the mouth at all, they can't move the football. Yeah, I just don't. Which then my, my wonder, you know, I'm wondering about the Georgia game because obviously I think Georgia's defense will be the first good defense that Auburn has played this season at home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is it a home away thing? Is it a good defense, bad defense thing? I don't know. And I don't think it's fully fair to, to judge one way or the other until we actually see them play a good defense at home. And that won't happen until the Georgia game. My The issue that causes questions for me is it's not like – they can put up 50 on a bad defense, and then against a good defense, they're just, like, not very good. It's that against bad defenses, the offense looks incredible. And against good defenses, the offense has looked like no one's on the same page and they have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's they're getting punched in the mouth. They don't know how to respond to it. I mean, it's like they want to be a finesse offense, but that's not what Malzahn's offense is. It is a running downhill, running it down your throat, and then it allows you to do other things. That's what it's been when it's successful. I, I know the the smoke and mirrors and the fun trick plays, that's what stands out. But the core of the offense is running the football, and they can't do that this year. And I don't think it's all the running backs' fault. I don't think any of the running backs are particularly special, like we've seen in Malzahn's offense in the past years. But, I mean, the offensive line is bad. There's no way to put it. We had a few tweets uh, come in yesterday that we didn't really talk about Caleb Kim getting benched after the the bad snap. Obviously, that is um, something worth noting. But I mean, if they had the answer for that, they would have done that already. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just kind of all right. You got to do something, and that just that was kind of the the decision they went with for what they needed to change. All right, let's look at the uh, the locked on podcast voicemail. You can call it at two zero five five zero two four two eight five. Here is our first one. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Hey guys, I can actually talk a little better than that voicemail. I left it three words in a squeak yesterday. Uh, biggest thing I have, guys, is I've been a huge Gus Malzahn fan the whole time he's been at Auburn. Still love the guy, huge advocate of him. I have these people that I talk to every day. Yo, when are you gonna be, when are you gonna hop, hop off the Gus bus? When are you gonna realize that we need to do better? When do we need to do better? And after going to LSU, seeing what he's done, over the past few games, yeah, there have been some good times. There have been some really bad times. At what point do we actually decide, you know what, maybe we should look at other options? Still love the guy. War Eagle. Can't, see what, can't wait to see what the rest of the season holds. 
His voice is still hurting. Thank you for toughing through that <laughs> that that call. Um, yeah, I uh, my biggest thing when people are saying, okay, it's time to get rid of Gus. My biggest question is, where do you look, and what do you want? And I don't know if Auburn knows what it wants post Gus Malzahn yet, and I don't know if it's really considered it. I know there were talks. Last year, I really think a lot of that was just rumor and speculation about the buyout and all of that. I think he's going to do enough to, to, to keep the job this year. I mean, I, I think we're still looking at 8-4, and 9-3, and three, and I don't think that's bad enough for him to lose the thing. So, um, I mean, it, I don't think there was really a question in there. I think it was more of a comment, and I don't think he's fully off base there. But, I mean, in regards to, you know, folks trying to coerce him into jumping off the Gus bus, I mean, you can do that, and that's fine. But my biggest question that I ask that people say that is, okay, where do you go next? And the answer is pretty much I don't know or the name of some ridiculous coach that is not going to be the head coach at Auburn. Yeah, uh, um, I think you, caller, are, are in a position that a lot of people are in, and me included. You're, you're heading towards that fence, heading towards the front of the bus to get off, heading towards the fence to, to jump to the other side, and, and I'm moving that way with you right, right now. Um, these last two big games against LSU and Florida are just kind of a, a ridiculous showing from the offense of an offensive-minded guy. And that's, I mean, that's an issue. Uh, if if Auburn gets blown out by Georgia or Alabama, I think there's a chance that uh, it's the end for Gus, but I don't think that's going to happen in either game. So I do think we're going to get another year of Gus. And like you said, Zach, if, if Auburn goes looking for a coach, I, I mean, most likely you're going to Iowa State for Matt Campbell. Maybe, maybe if you're crazy lucky, Matt Rule at Baylor. Maybe. I don't think he wants to leave there. I don't necessarily think so either. I, I mean, and that's like a massive home run. But also, I mean, you know, the, the way Auburn hires folks, it's like, is he going to spark any interest from the committee that's going to be put together for this? It's like, I don't think so. I, it, I Yeah. And, and those are, I mean, those are the two, like, coaches at programs that you might consider like not top tier that you'd really want to go get you'd have to pay Jeff Brom just a stupid amount of money to leave Purdue because he makes almost as much as Gus does now at Purdue yeah and, and with I just no pressure to win I just don't think that makes you better I don't think that makes yeah. your 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 program better right away I mean it may a few years from now like there's talent there but I just I'm just not convinced it changes you uh, changes your trajectory a whole lot. So, all right, here's a. I think he called back. I think this one is still him. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months, or up to thirty-three hundred dollars off select compact tractors. See the details at kubotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. This is Chris Messick from Chapel Hill, Tennessee. One more comment that I did not add to my, to my first comments was the holding penalties. If the referees would have called the holding penalties in the beginning of the game, they would have seen 
that you cannot do this. But because they didn't call it, they continued to hold and hold and hold on scoring plays that could have been the difference in part of the game as far as us scoring or keeping them scoring. They did not call a holding play on them until the two minutes or less in the game on their last drive. They finally called it. It was obvious they were scared of the home field. The home field advantage means more than anything else when it comes to those teams in the top tier of the AP. That's just my opinion. Two cents. Send my change to me. <laughs> Appreciate the call. Yeah, the um – I don't disagree with you, and we talked about this a little bit at the end of the show uh, yesterday, Michael. I don't disagree with you that they could have been flagged, and there were some that that were blatant holds when you look at what they were. But, Michael, as you pointed out yesterday, it was called evenly. Like, they didn't call Mm -hmm. Auburn for holding. But my thing is, is I know a lot of Auburn fans are focusing on that, and you can. That's fine. I mean, uh, mean, some of them were egregious, sure. But the story is, despite all of that, Auburn's defense put together probably the best defensive performance I've seen since following Auburn, which has been mm-hmm. you know my whole life. So, I mean, we're talking the last 26 years. I think that was the most impressive. I mean, just with the stakes, especially with the offense not being able to stay on the field. And despite all of that, they still put themselves in a situation to win, but the offense was terrible. The offense was awful. I mean, five straight three and outs in the second half for the offense, and I think it was like three total yards across those drives. While on the other side of the football, the Auburn defense is stalling the LSU offense. That's the storyline. It's the not number the one offense in the country coming into this game. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Zach. The holds are not why Auburn lost. And if anything, if you want to put a, a slight positive spin on this game, um, despite the offense being absolutely atrocious, despite you know the, the the apparent missed holding calls, Auburn went into Death Valley and lost to now number one LSU, number two at the time LSU, with the best offense in the country by three points. Right, I'm not big on the only the only loss by three points. I'm uh, not I'm not big on the morals. I know a lot of folks. I'm actually surprised how many folks are. Right now, based on the way things have been and kind of the opinion and the voice of the Auburn fan base over the past few years. But, I, hey, more power to them. But my thing is, is don't focus on the holding calls when the defense, when the defense on the field, that was not the issue. That was not the issue at all. I mean, despite all of that, they were able to put together an incredible performance. But, I mean, if you want to be glass half full and have the moral victory, I'm not saying you, like literally you, Michael, but. That's okay. I mean, you can wave the moral victory flag because it was an impressive outing. Clearly, the AP voters didn't think it was that big of a loss because mm-hmm. Auburn's only at 11 with two losses. And I think the college football playoff rankings will will still look very fondly upon Auburn. I think the college football playoff committee is going to kind of put Auburn in a position where it's like, all right, if you take care of business, we're, we're going to consider you. Yeah. If you went out, we are going to consider you even if you play in the championship game or not. So that's, uh, that is a true way to look at it, but... Yeah, I don't think the players are looking at Auburn's it that way. Got, Auburn has, let's put it this way, Auburn has the second best shot at the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Because, if, because Alabama will probably lose to LSU. So then if Auburn... Wow. If Auburn can beat Alabama, they'll move ahead of them. 
And then Georgia, Florida, one of them is going to end up with two losses. Georgia could end up with three. Mm-hmm. So it's just Auburn could sit there with two losses at number five, number six in the country and head to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think, I still think Alabama beats LSU. We'll see. It's going to be an awesome game. Yeah. It's going to be fun. All right. And uh, all right. Here's, a, here's our last voicemail of the day. Hey, this is uh, Chris Messick from Chapel Hill, Tennessee. This is my two cents. And so, you would take Ben yeah, Chains back or yeah. whatever. But where is the RPO? You got, you got Patrick Nix, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks, and there's no RPOs. Two, the play calling, when you got a injured running back in your second eight and you run the uh, play back-to-back with Whitlow, second eight, and it goes nowhere. Three, you, got, you, got, you put Gatewood in on 11-yard line. Finally, you run a, a Gatewood play. And you don't even try to pass the ball. Tell me where the, the, the common sense is. I put, I have been the biggest fan of Gus Miles on, but I put this on the coaching staff. Play calling was high school. We got a national championship defense with a high school offense. It is pathetic. We need better. We do better. Thanks. Yeah, I got his voicemails mixed up. But yeah, so that is, um, I mean, that's a very common complaint for the fan base right now. I think when you look at that, and, I mean, he listed a few specific examples, which I love, but I think it all comes down to what Auburn was doing offensively was extremely predictable. I mean, none of it was tendency breakers or anything like that. And I think I think there's current situations where, I mean, I hate running it on second and long. That is my least favorite idea offensively in football. That's the, the most inefficient play in football is running the ball on second and long. Right. If you're going to run it on an early down, run it on first down. After that, I mean, it, yeah. So many so many teams come out and they throw a, an incompletion on first down and then they run it on second and ten. It's like you're going to punt. You're probably going to punt unless you convert a, an unfavorable third down. And I mean, he mentioned running it you know, on second and eight, and that's um, – well, I think his issue was the wildcat with Booby Whitlow, which we've heard quite a bit, um, whether it was after the game or I'm not sure we had a, we might have had a voicemail about it yesterday. Um, the, the, the sequence in which they ran back-to-back plays with Booby Whitlow and the wildcat was on second and goal and third and goal. Yeah. And they scored a touchdown. Bo ran it in for a touchdown. So um, – I don't really know why people are so upset about that. I guess because they thought, I mean, Booby got cleared. So, and if that was the only time they were going to use him, that's fine. Uh, I also don't really, if they put Gatewood in the game, like the point is because they want him to run the football. Mm-hmm. If they want to throw the football, they'll put in the quarterback that they think is better at passing. Yeah. And it's Bo. At and some point, you got to ask the question, though. It's like, all right, they know what this play is, and they know it's going to stay on the ground. And once again, I mean, I think it just goes back to predictability. Yeah, and, and he has thrown a touchdown. I mean, he did throw have that one touchdown to Shanker sure. in the A&M game. Um, I, I just – it's different when it's second and goal from the four or sec, or second – or, or third and three, and they're throwing a five-yard out like that yeah. that they did to Shanker versus, you know, when it's when they're on the 11 and need 11 yards or something. I, I just don't. Right. And Malzahn has 
always liked running the wildcat in the red zone mm-hmm. in those goal line situations. Carry on was the best at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, carry on got a lot of you know two, three yard touchdown runs out of the wildcat. And it probably dates back to farther than that. I'm sure Cam did it. I'm sure Nick Marshall did it, you know, just when they were kind of more mobile. He he, he likes doing that. And, and it's worked for the most part. I mean, they've been extremely effective in the red zone throughout his career as, as Auburn's head coach. But, but yeah, like you said, though, they scored on that drive. I mean, it was, that was a quarterback sneak where D.J. Williams just, like, thrusted Bo Nix across mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage or across the goal line. But The bush push. Yeah, but, hey, it Which worked. is legal. Yeah, it is. Now. It, the bush push was not legal, but now it is legal. Yeah, no, that's a good rule. It's kind of arbitrary, so just take, take it out and let them do it. So I'm cool with it. They um, let them do it when it's linemen, like, on, like, a normal running play. So why would you change that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm glad they, they fixed that. But all right. Cool. Cool. So uh, Malzahn talking to the media in a few hours at the time of recording this. We will touch on that tomorrow. I doubt he will say anything. But if he does, we'll chat about that. And more. Yes, sir. I do. Look, I, Zach, you know me very well. Extremely well. Too it, well. It is not often that I am a optimistic guy. Right. You're extremely negative. And okay. I love it. I just want to say to everyone who is freaking out about how the sky is falling, it could be so much worse. We went into the swamp and lost by however many. Went into Death Valley, lost by three. Just look up north at what the t- complete collapse Wisconsin has had. Losing to Illinois and then just getting steamrolled by Ohio State. Like, yes, this is not good. I, I, like, there's no way to sugarcoat that this is bad. But they also didn't just lose by 31 points. Do you think people feel better after you saying that? No, but I just... Here, here's what I recommend. Some context here. Go back and listen to our show a few weeks ago with John Neighbors from Locked On, Arkansas. Yeah. And you'll feel really good about yourself. <laughs> oh, I yeah. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> that was bad. I still think about that all the time. It's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's just terrible. The team that you love, the team that you root for, and just like, you know, and you know what? that they're like not going to win a conference game. <laughs> you know what, Zach? What? That's why I don't want a new head coach. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's fine. Like what if we hire the next Chad Mer- Chad Morris or yeah. Ed Orser on it? Ole Miss. Yeah, it's like ah, Malzahn's okay. It's all right. But then there's Malzahn's the whole, better like, than okay. Like I agree with you. I mean, we we had the conversation. Uh, I think it was last week about mm-hmm. like where does yeah we were on the lunch break together with, yeah. with Painter, and we were like you know where does he rank among coaches in the SEC? And like he's the top quarter of coaches. I think he's got to be at least. Top four? I mean, at the bottom, he's number five, and that's if you put Orgeron ahead of him. And I don't really order Orgeron. And Kirby. Oh, yeah. And if you put. And well, you, you and I kind of split hairs on that one, though. But Yeah. You, you got to put, who, like, Saban, Smart, Mullen, maybe Orgeron, and maybe, Gus. Maybe Mullen. Gus has won more than Mullen has. That's true. Gus has won more than Smart has. So. And then, like, Jimbo's up there. Yeah, Jimbo's. Jimbo beat Gus in the net. All right. My wife is calling. we got to finish the show. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at Couch Potato. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackberry. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.